Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Let's echo worth the wait. What are our thoughts on how Dragon Ball Daima will go? Should we be hyped that Solo Leveling finally got an anime? We'll be discussing that today today, and more on our special episode of What's New. We're Systematic Ecology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. And I'm your host, Christian Ashley, with a very special guest, Matthew Winter. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's kind of one of the things we wanted to have you on for a while now. Finally got the chance to do it. We're going to get things done today. So uh, for people who don't know who you are, uh, I know a little bit from other things, but I've been one of the people learning a lot today. Like, who are you? What are you into? Like, the podcasting, other stuff? Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been I've been floating around uh, this, this circle of people for two or three years now. Uh, friends of friends, those sorts of things. Um, I was on Whole Church a little bit ago, the last year sometime. I don't remember exactly when. Um, I've done the Brother Matthew podcast, Commuter Christian, um, the Reconstructed Faith. Um, all that's on in, indefinite hiatus right now because I'm actually doing some in-person ministry work at my church, which really the online thing for me was always kind of a fill in until I could get my boots on the ground and, uh, you know, teach a class or whatever, um, in person. And, um, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. You can find all that on YouTube, um, on the brother Matthew, a channel or the website while it's still up. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to renew, you know, any of that stuff yet or not since I'm on hiatus and uh, it's a lot of money to keep a website and a domain and all that going. If you're not using it. (laughs) It costs pretty penny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So before we get into the what's new episode proper, like, you know, since this introduction to a lot of people, like do you have any top fandoms you're like really into, you want to really talk about real quick? Oh gosh. Um, I think, so I get, I go through cycles of hyperfixation. Um, like right now, um, you know, today, uh, today's topic will be evidence of that. Um, I'm just back into being super into Dragon Ball. So you know, I think a lot of millennials, a lot of people my age, um, you know, grew up that that was our that was our window into anime. Um, and, uh, you know, lost track for a while through a lot of my adulthood, uh, didn't really 
catch the super thing when it was on and when it was relevant. So I'm just coming back around uh, to all that stuff. Now, um, was a um, Star Trek's another big one. Um, Excellent. I'm struggling through some of the newer shows. Um, it, it's it, excellent, excellent way to put stuff of that. Yeah, uh, it's it, and it's it's format wise for me. Mm-hmm. There's there's something to episodic television that newer streaming shows just don't have. Yes. You know, there's, there's an art, there's an art to being able to tell a singular story in a 42 minute episode. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where my struggle is. Uh, You know, you can get into, you know, politics or social or whatever. I'm not even looking at it from that angle, just more of the, what it is to me and what I like about it. I don't know that the new stuff has that for me but um g- grew up watching you know old school uh original series with my dad it was on i forget what channel but we would always watch it, it two in the afternoon after church on sunday it was on syndication so that was part of the thing um and then d space nine and voyager like i was there when those were on like that's my childhood um watching those wednesday nights when they were on or was it? Yeah, it was Wednesday nights when those were on. Um, so that I think those are my two big ones right now. And, you know, there's all kinds of other stuff, of course. Um, those uh, big, big music nerd, because I'm a musician myself. So I geek out over um, bands, things like that. Um, for instance, Mike Portnoy's back in Dream Theater. That's been a big excitement for me. Um, so those sorts of things outside of the um usual geekdoms i guess that we would say but as far as that stuff uh be dragon ball and star trek i think are the big ones where i really have like either my own headcanon or i'm just super into dragon ball into like power scaling and the physics of transformations and all that stuff or um like star trek just knowing all of the in-betweens and the in-universe histories and like 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 just full-time geekdom for those ips what instrument do you play uh guitar bass i've got like three of them back here um those those are the main ones uh trained vocalist in school um little bit of keys if i have to very nice yeah when it comes to star trek i was burnt out for a while on the new stuff Mm. like discovery is not my cup of tea (laughs) um the first two seasons of Picard, I was not there for what they had to say. Third season improved a little bit, in my opinion, but it's still not like it's not going to be in my top 10 list anytime soon. <laughs> but I just finished the second season of Strange New Worlds. Oh, chef's kiss. A breath of fresh air, in my opinion, compared to everything else. I don't yeah, know how you sure. feel on it. But yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to new seasons. And I, I need to get in the lower decks because what I have seen is like it, it's like a show written for Star Trek fans. Mm-hmm. as a comedy set in the universe so i do enjoy that and i did enjoy the crossover episode they had in strange new world yeah. so, yep. for, all right got fun characters so, for sure yes so let's get into the actual what's new conversation and i'm going to start with our lightning round uh to cover two things real quickly uh since matthew you want to get into that dragon ball daima we got to get that later on uh but first is as i continue to do just covering ultraman blazar um 
Uh, have you gotten into Ultraman at all? Are you a kaiju guy at all? Um, I'm aware of Ultraman in some of like the older stuff. Um, I really have. It's not something that I follow super close. Like I know it's yeah. out there. Yeah, this one uh, is the newest season. Uh, it's actually being dubbed in English. It's the first one they've done in forever. Mm. Uh, Simul dubbing uh, when the the subtitle released at the same time as the dub. Uh, I'm enjoying that immensely. We have one episode away from the finale, and they left us on a heck of a cliffhanger. Like uh, the host, typically how it works in Ultraman is there is a human bonded with the Ultra, and mm. typically the human his character's on screen for about 20 minutes out of the 20 some minutes. And then you see the Ultraman on screen because that saves some money and budget. And they got separated in the last episode. The moon just exploded. Things are getting hype. I'm really loving this series so wow. much. Um, like this is like, not that Ultraman has been bad in the past couple of years. Cause they do a new series, like pretty much every year, but like, this is mm. really good. Now, next up, Monarch Legacy of Monsters just ended. Now, uh, have you got any familiarity with this is all, Matthew? No, no idea. Okay. This one, have you watched any of the new MonsterVerse films with, no. you know, uh, Godzilla, King Kong and all that? Uh, my wife's into some of that and my brother is really into Kaiju. So, uh, like, it's stuff that's on my periphery, but I'm not yes. um, super into it myself. Just that's time. Fair. like. A person only has so much time. Amen to that. I mean, <laughs> there's so much stuff out there. And, you know, you've got families, a school, yeah, yeah. children, everything gets in the way. Yeah. Can't be into everything. I yeah. Can't be into everything yeah. I want to be. <laughs> but as far as this series is concerned, I think the last time I was on What's New, I was really hype on it. Mm. That is slightly degraded. Uh, I really started hating our main trio. They're not really a lot of fun. I enjoyed the flashbacks a lot. I love those characters a lot more. Um, just our main characters just kind of kind of lame after a while. But that there was a very nice uh, converging of the two timelines. We'll say without spoilers uh, that ended on a good cliffhanger with the appearance of another fine monster in the universe. So I am interested to see where your season two could go, but definitely not as. Not as big on it as I was before. But with that, I believe we're done with our lightning round. So we're going to move on to our first topic today, which is Echo, the newest part of the MCU just released on a Disney Plus not too long ago. Uh, Matthew, do you have any interest in the MCU at all? Have you been following anything? Um, it's It's been pretty loose the last little bit. Uh, yes. You know, um, was into it quite a bit, like Gen 1, Gen 2. Um, you know, obviously, being my age, uh, I grew up with the X-Men and the Spider-Man and all those cartoons, uh, the Iron Man yeah. stuff. Um, so, um, like, the early Marvel stuff was great. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not as up on what they've been doing episodically as far as making TV shows. Um this is more cinematic universe for me, less TV shows. That's perfectly fair. As far as me, like the last thing I was really excited about mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, No Way Home. Uh, you know, obviously mm. I'm a big Spider-Man guy. There's a reason he's Fantastic. my avatar. It's not like, yeah, I, there's a love letter, all three of those films. Yep. Uh, well, different trilogies and duologies uh, really felt true to their characters, but it's not like I haven't liked the things that have come out recently. It's just shown the wear and tear, in my opinion, of 
how long can we keep going with this? Should it have ended with Endgame or should we just do our mm. own separate projects? Uh, Echo, on the other hand, is something that ultimately I did enjoy. It's not my favorite thing they've ever done. Like, uh, you know, spoilers for rating and reviewing it. I give it like a 7 out of 10. And for me, that's like, hey, I enjoyed it. I have issues with it, but I'm not going to put it high on any list. It's like how I rate that thing, you know. You know, rating systems are kind of just whatever the person feels that day anyways, anyways. So is what it is. But uh, as far as Echo is concerned, um, this takes place uh, not too long after the end of Hawkeye, where she uh, – did you watch that? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, to avoid some for your sake. Again, my wife has seen all that, so – <laughs> okay, so she'll appreciate this is that there's yeah. a scene where she has learned that she's kind of been manipulated by the kingpin this whole time into working for him so she leaves that life behind and goes back to her old hometown where you know as a young girl she lost her parents in a very you know, excuse me her mother in a very devastating car accident that she feels like she's responsible for both she and her mother I believe if I remember correctly are both uh Heart of uh, death, and she is forced to rely on sign language in order to speak with other people. Um, and she's also became an amputee as a result of that. That she was later given like some bionics to help uh, move around. And so it's go- her go- reconnecting with the roots, and we get some really nice. Uh, she is Choctaw uh, by heritage. Some nice introduction of that mythology in here. That was a ton of fun to like research and look into. I really enjoyed seeing that portrayed here, but I mean it's in my opinion, this kind of suffers from that whole Disney plus scenario of too little time building things up. And it feels like things are rushed by the end. There's a good confrontation between her and Wilson Fisk. I do enjoy that. Uh, he, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has done an amazing stellar job as a Kingpin. Like he is a physical threat. He's someone that you don't want to cross. Uh, and they set up nicely to where he's going to be going up in the MCU later on. And we do get our nice moment early on where there's a little crossover between her and Daredevil to help set up for that coming up later on. Nice. But yes, uh, I, which I am now that I've heard that the writers for Born Again have changed and they're not going to do what they were going to do, which is apparently they were going to kill. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, Foggy. And oh, my gosh, what is her name? I, I can't remember her name. I remember the actress, but not her. Uh, we'll just say they both were going to die early on in the original script. So it looks like they're changing that. Didn't feel like that would be a nice way to reintroduce them. Uh, Karen, Karen Page. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But as far as this series is concerned, do you know anything about Echo, the character before this? Have you ever heard Not, about her? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. So she was introduced in the comics when uh, Brian Bendis was running Daredevil. Okay. And he made her, they kind of aligned a little bit closely here except in the mcu it's hawkeye it kind of gets her on the straight and narrow but daredevil's when it does in the comics it's like hey uh you're working as this kind of assassin for the kingpin you know he's using you tricking you into thinking that you know he didn't harm the people in your life to get you where you are now so she becomes her own woman does her own thing and then later on she ends up joining when Bendis takes over the avengers under the ronin uh, persona that showed up in Hawkeye mm-hmm. that Hawkeye took there, but she was the first one uh, and kind of you know, working with the new Avengers there. She got kind of pushed out of focus a little bit, especially when the secret invasion happened. But, and most recently in Jason Aaron's Avengers, which has kind of been hit or miss for me, she joined up and took over the Phoenix force, which was its own thing, but whatever comics being comics. Right. But I, I do enjoy your character overall, <laughs> but 
Now, we kind of brought it up a little earlier in that you know, you're not focusing too much on it, but like w- when it comes to it, like are you hyped for anything that Marvel is going to be releasing later on? Or are you just like, there's too much out there. I don't have the time to commit to it. I'll watch what I watch. You know, it's one of those things. And even you touched on this briefly. Disney's kind of doing what Disney does. I, I'm kind of at the same place right now with both Marvel and Star Wars. Okay. Or on, honestly, I kind of think we're oversaturated. Mm. Obviously, Marvel, there's tons of more characters to pull from, um, you know, and we can always create alternate realities, new backstories, all that stuff, because that's the fun thing with comic books. At the same time, sometimes I feel like stuff should breathe. Uh. So, um, like, the only thing... Um, you know, as eh, as I felt about Love and Thunder, um, I kind of like I I, I kind of want to see like a battle of the gods happen yes. with, you know, with the Olympians and all that stuff. So I don't know if that's on the horizon, but uh, that's something that would definitely pique my interest um, and get me back on the train for I'm at least taking a peek at Marvel again. Yes. No, that's perfectly fair. You know, the the word superhero fatigue has been thrown out and abused way too long. It, it happened before Endgame. It's going to happen after Endgame. And I, I do enjoy mm-hmm. what Marvel has done for the most part. And there's stuff I'm looking forward to. Like, I, I'm really looking forward to Deadpool 3. Like, I enjoyed the first two movies. I want to see him crossing over to the Marvel Universe. Like, Hugh Jackman's sure. in there as Wolverine. Yep. Like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I forgot um, about that. Yeah, that, that's what I'll see. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Then there's other stuff like the Agatha series they're going to do that branches off of WandaVision. It's like, I could be wrong. Maybe this becomes the Andor of the MCU products, but I really don't see the need <laughs> for it. Because <laughs> that was initially my opinion about Andor. It's like, why would I care about a person who showed up just to die in Rogue One? It's as good as a film as I think Rogue One is. Well, I was proven wrong. By the really great writing of Andor. Now, uh, did you have any opinions on that? Did you watch Andor? Haven't seen it yet. I'm still catching up on Star Wars stuff. Um, Same thing. Just burned out. Like every year there's a new Star Wars something. Some new spinoff or some character I forgot about that gets their own show. Or Yeah, Yeah, that's perfectly fair. I mean, once again, I think we'll... I just talked about this on the last episode I did with my friends, the Erdleys. It's like, there's only so much time in the world. You can get just overwhelmed by everything that's out there. Just yeah. focus on what you like. You don't have to be in the midst of the conversations everyone else is having at the same time. You don't have to be ready on release date at 3 a.m. in the morning or whenever something <laughs> gets released on Disney Plus. So you can watch it and then talk about it at the water cooler the next day. It's like, right. just enjoy it at your own pace. Enjoy your things. Like, you can be geeking out on stuff that came out 40 some years ago. Like I'm watching, for instance, the outer limits, the original for the first time. Nice. Like, fantastic. Yes. Like I, I had seen a couple of episodes, you know, beforehand uh-huh. of the sixties and the nineties one, but like never yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking the time to go watch all those. Cause I really enjoyed it. Cause I, I last year watched all the twilight zone episodes. So some I'd never seen before. Yep. Um, just to like, get to that stuff but that's once again that started in the 50s with twilight zone yeah and that's how many years removed from now it's like there's so much stuff out there just find something you like absolutely and enjoy it sure you know 
I mean, you may miss out on a conversation or two, but at the end of yeah. the day, like, what what are we doing this for? Street cred? <laughs> well, and that's that's the mixed bag of what streaming has brought us to. Um, you know, you think, you know, growing up, shows were on TV. You either saw it when it was on or you waited until the summer when the reruns came around. You know, you couldn't really catch up on it later. You had to yeah. watch it whenever you had to watch it when everyone else watched it or you were going to wait until they ran back through it. And um, so I think like it's good in one sense that some of that immediacy is gone where our life isn't bound to the TV schedule. We can watch it when we have time at the same time. I'm like, you know what? I can watch that later. And then, you know, later becomes next year. And then the year after that, and then, you know, the year after that. And um, someone has to remind me that the thing exists before I get back and and watch it just because there's so much stuff. Yes. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. Like, hey, if you're listening out there and you feel overwhelmed by everything that gets released, it's OK. Just, <laughs> you, you can miss out on some conversations. Just find a time when you want to. When you have that moment, just watch it when you want to. If there's something else that you want to watch that has nothing, any bearing on the current conversations that are happening, watch that too. Both are valid. Just do what you can do on your time that doesn't stress you out. Like, we shouldn't be stressed out just to catch up with everything here. Like, it's ridiculous. Consider subscribing on YouTube where you can get some uh, some other stuff. You get exclusive series like our comic book catch up, manga mustard, drinks with Tejas, and a companion series we do each year to go with our annual theme. You also get access to Friday Night Frights and Wednesday Night Weeaboo and Spidey Swing Buys with Christian Ashley. Um, you get access to other exclusive shorts like uh, what I'm going to be doing soon are non-canon where I'm going to be reviewing different IPs that are outside of canon from our favorite fandoms or the Bible and discussing whether or not it should be canon. You also can get a short of Will's Wednesday pull list. If you're into comic books, Will goes through his favorites of each week's pull list for himself. You also get other bonuses over there. Um, Most of our surprise content will put straight to YouTube going live over there that you can check out. And a lot of our regular episodes are also posted on YouTube. If you just want to see our smiling faces. So I'll move on from Echo here. And just like I said earlier, my rating for it is a 7 out of 10. Like, I would have preferred more time with her to get inside of her head. Uh, I did really enjoy the final confrontation between the Kingpin and his goons and her and her friends there in the town, like, you know, protecting what was theirs. That was really handled very well, in my opinion. But I would have liked to see more of Maya and what really, like, gets the gears turning in her head. But is what it is. So next up, uh, your topic and... I'll bring on this one as well as a huge Dragon Ball fan myself. Yeah. Is uh, Dragon Ball Daima. So lay it on me, Matthew. What's happening? Okay. It's Dragon Ball Daima. Uh, we, you know, we don't know tons. That's coming out in the fall. Um, fandom's pretty split from what I can get temperature reading wise. Um, you know, on the socials, YouTube comments, all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm excited to at least give it a shot as someone who is an OG Dragon Ball fan. Um, this is, this is the 40th anniversary show. So that's part of it. Um, cause Toriyama first started penning the manga, the manga for Dragon Ball in 84. So we're coming up on 40 years, but people are like, um, you know, what does, what does this mean for super? Right is is there more super and um so that is tv politics there 
uh, the whole super thing. So um, basically, Fuji TV um, in Japan, um, they like long term contracts. Um, and so, so we're, we're, we're at a point where so there was a long time with super where the manga uh, where the manga was behind the anime. And the anime was actually creating the content, and then they were going back in and filling out the manga with the show. Um, we we now have granola and Moro arcs in the manga, yes. but um, Suisha and Fuji have come together, so that's the company that prints Jump, and then Fuji TV that 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 airs the anime. That's maybe one season. Granola and Moro arcs, maybe fifty two episodes. And um, so Fuji wants there to be at least two or three years worth of content before they put Dragon Ball back on TV because yeah. they do they do long term contracts um, right now. They're airing the new Digimon reboot um, in the Dragon Ball slot, um, and that's supposed to be on for at least another two years. Um, so also. um Toriyama's very much been in the background for the development of Super. Um, kind of like creating storyboards, but then it would just get passed off to different writers or whatever. And uh, th- that's why there's been inconsistencies, even in some of the power scaling and how transformations seem to work. Like, can you use Super Saiyan once you have God Key? Can't you? Like, like what? Like, there's so many... Um, and really, this is him grabbing the reins and making the show that he wants to make. Um, he's going to write and script every single episode. So he is fully in control of Daima. Um, So we'll see where that goes. Um, story wise, we don't know tons. There, there was a there was a little trailer released. I think it was last week, maybe the week before that. Um, seems to be some magic stuff involved. Because the 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 pilot name for the show was actually going to be Dragon Ball Magic um, rather than Daima. So because um, we see we see Bobbity clips in the trailer. So uh, I don't know if he's back or it, if it's someone from his school of majory or whatever. But basically some kind of magic happens. All the Z fighters get shrunk down. Um, the dragon can't undo it. And we know there's, there's an entire story arc involving, um, uh, Goku and Supreme Kai basically trying to get to the root of the conspiracy, why they're all shrunk down, if they can fix it. Um, I'm excited to see that and also where it takes place timeline wise. Like, is, is this in that 10 year gap? between the end of the boo saga and the last episode. Um, like, like, where is this in the continuity with super? Are we yeah. creating, are we creating like alternate timeline where like super goes off this way and Daima goes off this way. Uh, it'd be interesting to see um, canon wise where it all fits. Um, and then I think the big question, at least for me, are we, is this really just going to be Toriyama's take on GT? Are, That's an excellent question. Are we going to get canon Super Saiyan 4? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So real quick, like, I, I think I've talked about mine before, but I'll go over it again, too. Like, how did you get into Dragon Ball? I'm assuming we are around the same time period. 
like when that was released. But let me let me actually hear what you have to say before I make. So so um uh like obviously tsunami was the big thing, but I am old enough to actually remember the ocean dub on Fox. Ooh, <laughs> barely like but but but, but like. I had the original like orange box catch the dragon set of ocean dub of the first three movies. So like mid nineties is when dragon ball actually first hit. Um, and it's interesting. Those early dubs um, are actually why there are kind of some of the arguments there are in anime fandom over dub versus sub and all of that because we had to we had to so heavily edit it to make it um available for american audiences the dub like dubs were awful it in the beginning uh, because we had to change stuff to make it basically safe for american tv yes I mean, that's definitely changed now with most anime hitting streaming. We don't have sensors. We don't have things like that. Dubs are fine now. They're fantastic. The acting is good. Um, the translations are on point because we're not dealing with censorship. Um, but basically, if anyone's not familiar with the early, early Dragon Ball dubs, look it up on YouTube. Different voice actors, entirely different dialogue. Not bad just different they had to write their own scripts again for american audiences to make it make sense so um if you ever hear someone talk if you ever hear talk about someone rather than dying going to the other dimension it's from (laughs) those ocean times yeah or or the the home the home for losers yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I, I was a tsunami kid. Yep. And that's when I was first introduced around the third grade, I think, because I do remember having conversations with some of my peers there. Be like, oh, my gosh, did you see this? Well, I'm going to turn Super Saiyan this week. Or, no, actually, it's going to be me. <laughs> and yeah, all that fun that comes from that. You know, one up. We all. That, yep. We all tried to power up back then. Yep. I wanted my hair to change. You know, I wanted to hire <laughs> the Kamehameha. It just yep. never seemed to happen. No matter how much I wanted it. But yeah, uh, then I kind of grew out of it a little bit, kind of mm-hmm. in general, until around 2008, 2009, when I started watching the Abridged series uh, that <laughs> Team Four Star did. And that got me back into the fandom again. And I know they'll downplay it, but I'm fairly certain that happened to a lot of other people besides me. And that's the reason we, why Dragon Ball started getting a little more popular again. Yep. I watched all of Super when it came out um and the movies as well mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. i'm all about the manga it seems like you are as well talking about uh moro and everything uh, there i'm familiar with it i haven't really taken the time to read it myself okay but you know in researching stuff and putting timelines together and all that um just for my own geeky pleasure <laughs> i have to yeah. at least be i have to at least be aware of all the content um that's out there and you know, the other thing too, I don't think that people give enough credit for uh, continued success um, and resurgence after the fact is all the, vi- is all the video games. Mm. That was a huge part of it too. 
Yeah, because the first uh, like like my brother, for instance, he's about five years younger than me. Uh, you know, he only saw bits and pieces of it when it was on Toonami, um, you because know, he'd see this part and then this part and then that part um, or whatever. So it wasn't until he played the Budokai games and was actually able to play through the storyline that he actually even understood the story of Dragon Ball through the video games. OK, so um, you mentioned GT as well as like yeah. a possible uh, maybe this. Toriyama's take on that idea. Were you a big GT guy when it came out? Um, I'm so mixed with GT. I understand what you just said. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, similar thing. So that was, but like, Toriyama was done creating Dragon Ball. Um, actually, like in his mind, he'd been done for a while, but he uh, he kept making content at the behest of Suisha to continue to create uh, more manga. Um, that was done. Fuji wanted more Dragon Ball anime. Um, so um, some of the other guys involved in the Dragon Ball room made GT. Toriyama actually has nothing, nothing to do with it. Um so be interesting to see if he's going to make a head nod to that content. And uh, because if people care about canon and continuities and those sorts of things, technically GT is not canon. Yes. So um, the, the baby arc I love uh, story wise, I think it really fits in um, because that that is canon, actually. Uh, you know, we got that canon in the Super Broly movie with uh-huh. uh, with, uh, you know, the the Saiyans taking over the planet from the Tuffles, renaming it Planet Vegeta, um, all that. Um, so for GT to to bring that out and have a stole a whole story arc that was the revenge of the Tuffles on the Saiyans was good. Um, yes. I know. I know some people don't like the um, Omega Shenron thing. Um, I, like I actually like the Dragon um, arc. That you know, all these basic, yeah, the uh, basically random superfluous overuse of the Dragon Balls creating negative energy, and um, so. We have these evil dragons that are the embodiment of those careless wishes. Um, I think that's great. Um, you know, just from maybe even like an ethical standpoint, like if like, well, if there was something like the Dragon Balls, yes, like how should they be used? Should it be so flippant or should or, you know, it, is there responsibility that comes with, you know, the awareness of their existence? But the, the the rest of GT can go. The black Dragon Balls, the Black Star Dragon Balls, don't make any sense. Um, like like where have one? Where have they been all this time? Why do they scatter across the universe, even though they were made here? <laughs> um, yeah. um, and then I think the whole Super Seventeen thing didn't make any sense either. As far as GT is concerned, there's some hosts here on the show who do really like it. Some don't even know that it exists. I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those. It's okay. I mean, would I take a bullet for it? You know, as being like pure Dragon Ball? 
not really. No. As opposed to like, you know, a Cell Saga or Frieza Saga or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would take, you know, the anime bullet for that. But it's still fun. Like the the whole yeah. I, I agree as well. The whole idea behind, hey, you know, these wishes have distorted the Dragon Balls this much that the mm-hmm. negative aspects of them had their overuse. It's like, oh, you just keep bringing, bringing people back to life. There's no consequence to death or anything like that. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, here's some consequences for you. I appreciate that immensely from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Um, but as far as like where we go here, is Daima a reimagining of GT from Toriyama's lens? Like, I mean, could very well be. Um, it doesn't seem like it because instead of just Goku being wished by Pilaf to be a kid uh, accidentally, yeah. it seems like everyone is. Now, uh, you mentioned Bobbity being in the trailers. Um, could this be Bibbity coming back to life somehow? Right. And realizing what happens. He doesn't have Boo anymore. So what does he do? He uses some magic to make them weaker in these you know, more childish forms. I mean, that could be something that happens. Could be some other magical threat that is new to this series that causes yeah. this to happen. Um yeah, you know, how embarrassed and Weiss involved in all of this? Yeah, like, and I, I, like uh, I'm excited to see more of the magical aspect because it's only been touched on. Like, like ev- for the most part, everyone in all of the universes, their martial artists, their key users, whatever. Like, like Bobbity showed up, Busaga. We find out like there is magic in the Dragon Ball universe. I mean, obviously with Dragon Balls, that's some kind of magical mysticism or whatever, but I mean, magic that can be used. You can learn to do magic. Yes. And we haven't really seen a main villain be a magic user. And so how, and so how does that stack up against, you know, key manipulation and the normal kinds of abilities that we're used to seeing in Dragon Ball? Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where things go from here. I, yeah. I, I'm also hesitant to. This is something that could easily be messed up. But, you know, knowing Toriyama is behind the writing does encourage me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you have anything else you want to say on this before we move on? It's like you really want to get out there. Um, I, I um, just I think for younger fans or more casual fans, um, go back and watch OG Dragon Ball. Uh, where it started, well, it was much more pure martial arts. Uh, there yeah. wasn't at, like the the feats were not these universe level breaking things. Um, so very much came down to their ability in fisticuffs. Um, and I'm actually hoping to see a, uh, somewhat of a return to that in Daima. Like we don't know if it ha- how it's going to affect the power scaling or their abilities. Um, but I would love to see less. Oh, these punches are so powerful that it's, you know, breaking the fabric of the universe. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. more, ju- more just people fighting in more of a traditional sense with some special attacks thrown in. Cause that's very much, that's very much how it started. Um, like the key manipulation was just, they were special attacks. It wasn't like the basis of the whole thing. Okay. So considering this hasn't come out yet, like let's write and review our hype for this, like out of 10 or whatever system you prefer. I do 10 because it makes things more broad without being too broad, like a hundred level system. Uh, For me, I'll say like 9.5 out of 10. That's how hyped I am for this. I'm ready to see new Dragon Ball. It's been so long. We've had a drought. Like as much as I've been enjoying the manga, 
I want to see it animated again. I want to see what they have in store. How about you, Matthew? Oh, a hype, hype, hype is 10 for sure. Okay. Um, you know, my my expectations are probably for a seven just because, well, like, Tori, <laughs> well, Toriyama's weird and no, he's no, goofy. I get, I get it. And it's like he's like, if it is a nod to OG, there's just going to there's going to be some out of pocket stuff in there. Yes. Yeah, uh, it just is what it is. It's very much of its time. So my expectations for a seven, with you know the allowance for myself to be okay with a five out of ten. Okay, but the hype. That's fair. The hype. The hype is ten. <laughs> okay, that is perfectly fine. All right, without we'll get to our last conversation today, that'll be on solo leveling, which is one of the new anime premiering in this anime mm. season. Uh, it is. Uh, based off of a Korean manhwa, manhwa is a va- basically their form of manga. Uh, mm. It's also a webtoon there as well. Uh, for those of you, you may be aware of Tower of God. It's also based on a Korean manhwa. Uh, excellent story there as well. I'm way behind on catching up with that, but I do enjoy it. But solo leveling is, I have a weird relationship with it. I'm guessing you may may have heard it at best, probably haven't read it. That, that one I haven't heard. I've heard of the other one, though. Okay. All right. So the, your central premise is, you know, in across the entire world, these gates start opening up. Mm-hmm. And in them come, like, these fantasy monsters and stuff like that. But if you come into contact with these gates, some people have the ability to kind of, like, essentially evolve and uh, gain new abilities and become faster or be able to use magical tools that they wouldn't be able to use. And they're able to figure out how to use these magic stones inside of them to, you know, and make you faster or stronger or smarter or something like that. Uh, and the general premises here is that the weakest member of the entire hunter's guild, uh, in South Korea, who's only there because, you know, his dad has gone missing uh, his mother is in the hospital on life support. Uh, he's trying to get enough money to keep his sister in school, in school. So he just goes on like these lower ranked missions uh, just to go in there, work his kind of support, maybe kill a monster if he can, and just take whatever meager things he gets from there to afford his mother's medical bills or keep his sister in school and stuff like that. But in a process of one of these lower level dungeons through the, one of these gates, they find an extra level which they're supposed to go and report back, but because they could make a lot of money off it, the group essentially all votes, what most people vote, to go inside, and in the process, end up in a place they should not be at the current abilities that they have. And these are two episodes in, so not really that much spoilery for anyone who hasn't watched it. Everyone escapes except for him. They either die or escape. And he's essentially sacrificed on this, gains new abilities from the result uh, that he can actually kind of this is so stupid he video game menus kind of show up for him and he can okay. level up in a way other people can't uh, but it's, it's called solo leveling because he does it by himself now <laughs> i said i have mixed feelings a weird relationship with this i like the ideas that come with this because i've read the entire webtoon like there's only two episodes of, uh, released to the anime so far i don't know how far they're gonna go i don't think they're gonna complete it but it's um is it one for one is there changes between the webtoon and the anime so far it's pretty one to one i have okay. no issues with that it's more the story as it goes on it's um <laughs> you know how people will sometimes rightly say american films are always con- 
concerned with the fact that America will save the day. Yes. And, you know, no, if Godzilla were to attack, you know, America would intervene and stop it. Or, you know, if aliens were to attack, well, of course, our Independence Day has to be because Will Smith is involved and we have to go to Area 51 <laughs> and only the Earth, based on uh, America's uh, way of doing things, can get things done. Right. Solo leveling kind of does that, but it goes very Korean propaganda and not in a very fun way. It's like, okay. if you are not the... If you're not the main character, if you're not someone in Korea, you don't really don't matter. You're uh, you could be a racist. You could be uh, just someone who isn't a good person generally. So that's something that develops along the way. And also, like I said, it, the only person who matters is our main character, uh, Sung Jin Woo. And when I say he's the only person that matters, he's the only person that matters. Uh, <laughs> it kind of gets to that Goku extent of there's not even a Vegeta near around who could maybe rival him. Okay. It's him and no one else. And it's him just clowning on people. And there's a certain appeal to that to an extent because, like, you know, you want your main characters to win. You want to imagine yourself in their role right. and see them, you know, killing some fools sometimes or just beating <laughs> them up, depending on what kind of series you're dealing with here. Yeah. So, uh, in your opinion, Matthew, like, what makes a protagonist interesting for you? Um, you know, at- as I've gotten older, I'm very much less into one-dimensional protagonists. Um, I kind of almost like the anti-heroes more, or like the chaotic good type. Okay. Um, for me, because like I think that's more real, um, which is a really big reason that I'm into. Uh, you know, another geekdom didn't mention earlier. Um, big fan of everything Gundam. Oh yes. Because I think like, like they do that well. Who's like, are the good guys actually good or the bad guys actually bad? Like everyone's like a real person with good and bad qualities and the bad guys have honor. And then there are good guys that are just complete jerks and um, all that or, you know, good guys in quotes um, like that's my style. Um, I like protagonists that aren't necessarily the best person they're good because they have to be or like they're good they're good for the sake of good not because they're this pure-hearted whatever you know superman you know peace justice in the american way kind of nonsense but they're you know they're, they're a real person um but it's fun also to have your gokus and to have your you know just oblivious idiot protagonists also, yeah, yeah uh, this is kind of an unfair question, and I'm the one who made it, so I'm the one calling <laughs> myself out here because there are different things that make a protagonist interesting, like mm-hmm. you know, someone like Goku or Luffy from One Piece, you know, they're not the genius in the room, but right, there's something about them that brings people to them. There's charisma there that comes from the way that they, you know, protect other people or right. just fighting other threats out there. It's like, you know, Goku is not a superhero by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the dub made American stinky is because they gave him more heroic quotes. That's right. another dubism there. But for me, most of that's what, most of that's gone in Kai now. But yes, but to me, like what makes someone interesting is I have to believe that what they believe in. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, villain protagonists like you know Death Note. Uh, on the fear ever watched that before. Uh, the general premise is is high school kid in Japan. Uh, sees this notebook fall out of the sky, reads it, finds out it's a death note. If he puts someone's name in there, if he knows their name and their face, they die. 
So he takes the premise and starts changing the world into his own image, killing off criminals and having people kind of worship him and stuff like that. It's like, as a person who used to be an edgy teenager, <laughs> that is precisely what I would have done, even with Jesus in my life at that point in time. 100%. And that scares me because I don't want to be that person anymore. Mm -hmm. But it also intrigues me because it's a what if. What right. if 18-year-old Christian had been handed the death note like Light is in the series? That is interesting. So I typically don't go towards villain protagonists unless that villain protagonist gets what's coming to them in the end. Mm -hmm. So, you know, something like Breaking Bad, like I watched the entire thing. I despise Walter White with every fiber of my being, even though at the end he doesn't really get everything he wanted. Because he had multiple opportunities to get away from this, and because of his pride, he wouldn't. So I can't stand when a character does that. But when it comes to our heroes, actual like our classic heroes, like, you know, I love Superman. I love Spider-Man because uh, Spider-Man is my favorite character of all time. And what makes him interesting to me is not only the fact that he is filled with this guilt that if I had just stopped this one man, my uncle right. would still be alive. But it's that he uses that as a motivation never again. I don't yeah. want anyone else's uncle to die or mother to die or what have mm -hmm. you. I will do everything in my power, even to my own detriment. And then sometimes I need to do a reevaluation of myself. How am I loving myself when I'm doing this, when I'm protecting the world from a you know supernatural or a crime or uh, the world's being invaded again? Like, am, yeah. am I still me? Am I still Peter Parker? That makes a lot of a lot of fun to me. Now, someone like Sung Jin Woo in this series, I lose a lot of the cares I give about him. He starts off really good. Like I said, noble goals, like, you know, keeping uh, your sister in school, wanting to have your mother, uh, her medical bills be paid for. Right. Your dad isn't there. You're the primary breadwinner. I'm on your side. And then he kind of becomes this edgy loner who doesn't really care about people, but people care about him. So it, it, it's what it is. But that kind of loses it to me. Right. How about you? Anything else you want to add to that? No, like I think I think a protagonist that you can associate with is important. Um, but I think um, some of what you touched on, just with the even thinking about the uh, the Death Note thing, um, I think that's what makes so many of these IPs endearing. Um, and and it's it's the difference between the ones that stand the test of time and the ones that are here and then gone. Um, the ones that can really speak to what it is to be human. Uh, you know, they, 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 they really dive into um, just psyche and the human existence and the struggles that we all have. Um, like in ways that we can't in real life because it is an anime or a comic book or whatever. And you can have the feats be as fantastical as you want, but, but, but to ground that in the struggle with your id and just get into some of the psychology of being human. Um, I, th I think those are the ones that last big, because like even in Dragon Ball, as ridiculous as it is, if we look at the entirety of the cast of characters, like they each bring a different piece of really humanity and emotion and um, loyalty and hard work and like whatever. Well said. Yeah. It, honestly, it depends on how well-written they are at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can convince me this person believes in what they believe in and they can confront the evil that they do or the good that they do in a believable fashion, chances are I'm going to like them. 
Yeah. If they're just someone like uh, you said, uh, we had some earlier conversations on Facebook. I think you hadn't watched Gundam Mage. Right. There are three protagonists in that show because it's kind of a generational thing. Right. Two of them I like. Okay. The third of which is the most bleeding heart I've ever seen in the world who doesn't – who's constantly just yelling at the world understanding because people should just understand each other. Why do we have to fight? All this stuff. It's like, yeah, sure, you can have those questions, but like be rational about it. You know, sometimes wars just happen. Sometimes – Yep. People get involved in politics. It shouldn't be there. And they do things for their own self-interest. And that's why these things happen. And it's yep. just like, understand people. Understand. It's like, no. Kiyosano. Cannot stand him. Worst Gundam character, in my opinion. <laughs> As opposed to like, his dad, who becomes a space pirate. You know? It's an excellent series. Not to give away too much on your Gundam journey there, but excellent show for yeah. two-thirds of it. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on, next question. Uh, this should be the last question for today. So kind of one of the things that kind of bring up in like even like in the video games kind of way for most of the Dragon Ball games I've been involved is kind of this ranking system. You kind of go from S, which is kind of like the best. You go, yeah. you know, maybe, or maybe Z sometimes. Uh, and you go A, B, C, D, E, F. Right. And F is probably the lowest. Like, And it kind of <laughs> judges like a character's potential or how important they are to a story. Like, how do we feel about this being used as a way to judge a character's abilities? And should that or shouldn't that be brought into reality in some way, shape, or form? Should we be judging people based on their capabilities? Like, like tier ranking? Yeah. Um, oh, man. Part of me, um, you know, the arrogant, selfish human part of me, um, who has, you know, far too much pride and overconfidence in his own abilities, um, would love for society to be a meritocracy. Uh. That, you know, though, like those who are smarter and gooder and all those things are the, are the ones that do well because it's based on your merit. Um, but, you know, the, the part of me that understands a biblical worldview and um, understands that, like, at the core, we all miss the mark. None of us are who we could be, who we should be. Um, that's a terrible idea because we're, we're all going to find the flaws in everyone but ourselves. Yes. <laughs> uh, I completely agree. <laughs> like, you know, in my arrogance, I'm always going to think, well, I'm obviously S rank. I'm obviously Z rank, you know, <laughs> forgetting about the fact that, I, you know, I'm a not a go-getter, you know, that – now, I struggle with pride, uh, as evidenced by this statement here, you know, that I'm not as empathetic as I could be to other people. Like, if I'm ranking myself in that, well, obviously, sometimes I'm going to be way lower. Sometimes I might even be an F uh, right. more times than I want to admit I'm at that level. And then when it comes to people's capabilities, like, th there's an idea behind this I could get behind. It's like, hey, you know, if I'm looking for someone to organize uh, a mission trip somewhere, mm -hmm. I don't want it to be me. <laughs> because I'm terrible at organization. I would rank right. myself probably an F. But I want someone who I know is capable of doing that, who would be able mm. to, you know, is there any passports you need to get done? You know, is there any, uh, who do you need to make contact with in this foreign country here that we would feel yep. safe working with? Like, that's something I want an S rank person doing that. I want them in that work. That way things flow as smoothly as possible because, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy, you know, as good old Sun Tzu says. But it's still a lot better than if I were the one in charge. So right. we we are called to judge to an extent, but not in that sense of you can only do this. Therefore, you're only worthy when you're doing this for me. 
Right. And that's where it easily could come in that meritocracy you're talking about. Yeah, or we're getting, so, or we get, yeah. or we get into caste systems, or we get into yes. like, uh, you know, based like based on your skill set, you can only have this job, hmm. you know, and, and like like even that, like that makes me think. Um, did you did you have to read The Giver in school? I did not, but I have read it. Yeah. So it. Yes. Even it makes me think of that, where they're assigned jobs just based on, you know, assumed gifts and talents or whatever. And they're trained just to do that job. And that's the life they're allowed to have. Yes. It, it comes from a place like if, if humanity were perfectly capable of creating a system where that could work. Yeah, it would work. But humans <laughs> are humans. People are people. Right. And someone's going to bribe someone where they shouldn't be. Or, you know, someone's going to use blackmail to get where they shouldn't be. Or yep. someone's going to outright lie about their capabilities and get where they shouldn't be. Like, it's going to happen because we're flawed human beings uh, working against ourselves if we're what some people are, I would hope. And working with a God who is attempting to speak with us and help us fight ourselves to be better than who we are so we can be who yep. he needs us to be yes. and the world needs us to be. Mm-hmm. So I'll let's say uh, talking about a, a dumb Korean manhwa that I do enjoy. Ultimately we got to a, a really good conversation there about that. Yep. Um, so I'll end it there for that. As far as rating and reviewing solo 11 goes, as far as enjoyment is concerned, this is like a nine out of 10 for me. Like I, I look nice. forward to every chapter, every webtoon that released. Uh, it got to like 170, 180 something. So when that did, I think it was like solo leveling Wednesdays is what we used to call it back in the day or something like that. I, I would always look forward to it. it. Even as ridiculous as, as much as the trains got off the rails and I was just watching him combust and explode the entire time. It was fun. Now, as far <laughs> as the actual plot, I'd probably give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, it's still worth your time if you're out there. You want to get into a new anime that's coming out this season. I wouldn't yeah. say never watch this. Just know what you're getting into. But with that all, uh, which of these topics today, Matthew, do, would you recommend as your top one of the day? I mean, oh, gosh. Uh, you know, for me, obviously, probably Daimo. It That's just that's my wheelhouse. Um, that's what I'm aware of. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we do get a throwback to kind of the OG style. Um, I don't think we will, but that's what I would like to see. Okay. Yeah, I'll second that. Like, out of the things discussed here, like, I'm ready for some more Dragon Ball in my life. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even though we're not covering the arcs I would have liked to have seen in the manga, you know, with Granola and Moro and all that. But that's a fight. That's fine. This is what they want to do. This is what Toriyama wants to do. I want to see what he has in store. Maybe it flops. Maybe it's the greatest thing we've gotten since Soji. We shall see. I'm ready for it. So, guys, thank you all for listening today. We really do appreciate on YouTube. If you can do us a favor, just like, subscribe, share the episodes. Really enjoy that. If you're listening to this on a podcast, continue to share the episodes with your friends, perhaps a cousin, as TJ would like to say, (laughs) if you would listen to the show. Now, uh, we do like to take time out of the day to thank those who have been helping us. And just just a handful of people who've done so, who are members of our Patreon or Captivate. Uh, Aaron Hardy, Daniel Sigmund, Trip Fuller, and James Barrett. You guys are the best. Really enjoy what you do. But remember, we are all a chosen people. A geekdom of priests.
friends, if you enjoy systematic ecology, a great way to support us and to keep us moving forward into the future is to be a patron on our Patreon network. If you're a Patreon, then you get live access to our YouTube exclusives like comic book ketchup and manga mustard, drinks with Tejas, and also uh, some extra content there with our companion series to go along with our annual theme. If you're a patron, you get exclusive merch like t-shirts and handbags and mugs. There's also a bonus extra question that has extra content. In each episode, we go deeper into our faith and the questions that we're wrestling with, but we also do this extra question uh, to jump in and to share about, and and uh, patrons get to hear how we answer that question. There's discounts on our store. You get access to any future online D&D campaigns. You can easily access all of our Patreon content through our Spotify page, where it says exclusive content for subscribers. That could be you folks. And all that being said, you get the satisfaction that you help us uh, keep the lights on and keep us moving forward with our software, our marketing, our equipment, staying current in the podcast game. Uh, we love Systematic Ecology. We hope you do too. Support us moving forward. Thank you for all that you are. We know there's a lot of great choices and content out there, and you choose to listen to Systematic Ecology. Thanks, folks. We love you. Peace. Hi. My name is TJ, and I'm here to tell you about the Onazam Ministry Podcast Network. Uh, we have a bunch of shows on AMP. Uh, you can follow the entire network in a single feed on Spotify at Onazam Ministry Podcasts or on the network page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, some of the ones we're running right now are the homily, which is Pastor Will's homily messages from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill. Uh, we have the Whole Church Podcast, which uh, one of my favorites. Uh, it's where myself and Joshua... Uh, we interview leaders from different denominations and backgrounds to work for a full church unity, Big C. Uh, we have My Seminary Life by Brandon Knight, former host on Systematic Ecology. He discusses his experience at seminary and discusses seminary topics so anyone can access the knowledge, uh, which is kind of cool. It's like the book, uh, everything you learn in business school and then everything you don't learn at business school. That's uh, great. Uh, we have Let Nothing Move You by Christian Ashley. He goes through the Bible uh, kind of like it's a Bible study to explain the biblical narrative through his perspective and what he's learned. Uh, Dummy for Theology, which is Joshua's show, uh, he discusses various theological topics in an attempt to show every side of big discussions. Uh, that leaves you with more questions than answers, which everyone loves a lot. Uh, it's kind of a continuation of a series that we did on Whole Church, but it's really good. It's really fun. Uh, we have the Bible after hours where the foul mouth preacher goes through the Bible from a progressive view to challenge the status quo of the modern church. I love that one. If you're from a more conservative uh, background, that one I find will probably be the most helpful for you. Definitely check that out. And we have the Clydes, Taylor and Elizabeth Clyde go through weekly discussions in a devotional conversational method uh, to help us get closer to one another and God. Uh, that's just a little review of what we do in AMP and all of our other shows. Uh, so check that out, get subscribed, and just start getting all that free content, you know?